1: It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Good morning again, everyone. And pertinent to the lead story that we just heard from Michael Hill, how remote learning is going on this snow day that isn't really a snow day, uh, at least in the New York City school system. Later this hour, get ready for this if you're a parent or if you're a student. Later this hour, we're going to invite calls from parents whose kids are home today but not for an old fashioned snow day off from school, rather for this new indignity visited upon childhood uh, by the legacy of the pandemic, a remote learning day instead of a snow day, whether it's login problems or they're not really doing anything or whatever. Uh, we're going to invite you to call in and report how that's going. But also, and heads up, parents who want to alert your students or any teens who happen to be listening, we're going to invite students of any age, not just parents, to call in on that segment in about 20 minutes and give us one opinion about anything in the news. You have to be a student, high school or younger, for that one, but here's the thing. If they call, if you call, you can tell your teacher that Brian Lehrer said you should get extra credit in social studies for doing it. Okay, so maybe it'll even be fun. Gather up a cogent opinion on something in the news, kids, and call it in for extra credit. That'll be in around 20 minutes from right now. Meanwhile, ahead of Valentine's Day, which is tomorrow, by the way, in case anyone needed a reminder, and I think the price of roses just went up a little more just from me saying that, we now turn to the other relationships in our lives, our friends. In a new book, producer and editor of NPR's Embedded podcast, Raina Cohen, takes a closer look at why Americans put so much emphasis on romantic relationships and expect so little from friends. And she asks, what would happen to both partnerships if those roles were equally important in our lives? She has a new book, that shares stories of people who have made life partners of friends, upending current expectations that spouses would always be our closest relationships. It's called The Other Significant Others, Reimagining Life with Friendship at the Center. Raina, thanks so much for coming on. Welcome locally to WNYC. I know you've been on uh, via the network.
2: Well, happy to be part of the uh, public radio family right now.
1: And listeners, we're going to open the phones right away on the fundamental question here. Can anyone relate to this concept? of prioritizing your friendships over your romantic relationships. Has anyone made big life decisions with a close friend or friend group, like moving to a different city together? Maybe you even bought a house together. Do we have any friends out there that co-parent or are a caregiver uh, to the other, perhaps? How do you center that friendship in your life, especially if you also have a romantic partner? And what do you call that person? Um a sibling, uh, your person, your chosen family, or any other title, text or call us now with your ode to the friend at the center of your life. Help us report this story, 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. Raina, what, what made you want to write a book about this?
2: I came to this for really personal reasons. Uh, I mean, I think you kind of have to get there for a friendship like this, which is pretty invisible. Like, you know, look, you don't even have the words to describe it. You have to ask people, what do you call this kind of friend? So in my case, um, I just became extremely close to someone I met uh, where I live in DC. And we would see each other four or five times a week. We were each other's plus ones to parties. We hosted our own parties together. And really, the term best friend didn't feel like it caught it. And I wanted to understand why a relationship so significant didn't have a term for it, wasn't recognized. And, you know, were there other people like us out there? I had a hunch that it wasn't just us and that maybe we could learn something from people who treated friendships in this really unconventional way.
1: Want to tell us a story from the book? Maybe the story of Tilly and Kami?
2: Sure. Um, So... Tilly and Cammie met when they were uh, in the Marines boot camp together when they were barely adults. And they, you know, just took to each other really quickly, which is kind of a common thing in, in these sorts of friendships. And over time, uh, they, you know, kept in touch even when they had deployments in different places. Um, They really reconnected and became uh, closer after Tilly came back from the Middle East. And Cammie had a child of her own at that point. Um, and, and you know, just sort of life keeps going on. Eventually, um Cammy and Tilly live in the same place in Oklahoma. Um, they, you know, one of them changes schools to go to the other and they can take classes together and share textbooks. Um, Tilly helps care for Cammy's child and will be there at you know at preschool pickup, and the daycare workers are kind of like, who is this person? Um, and they've you know supported each other at these different stages of life. Um beyond, I think, what people, you know, would often think about for friends. And one, you know, striking part of the story is that at one point, Cammy told somebody that she was dating that the friendship would come first, uh, you know, that a romantic partner wouldn't because she had, had bad experiences with romantic partners, assuming that the friendship was secondary. Uh, so she really kind of flipped the script in in that moment on that date um, and, and in future dates with other men who who took <laughs> to the idea a little bit better um, that the friendship could actually come first.
1: And do you find uh, that this happens Uh once somebody really does get involved with a romantic partner, or is this a kind of relationship primarily for people who are not married or in committed, um, romantic relationships?
2: I've seen people both who have a friendship as, as the central relationship and and people who have a kind of co-equal setup where they have both a romantic partner and a platonic partner, if you will, uh, And the reactions, you know, are are very different from different people. In some cases, the romantic partner won't have it and is uh, is jealous or tries to undermine the friendship or the, you know, the friend who enters the romantic relationship kind of (laughs) divests from the friendship a little bit. But I would say just as often or maybe more often, I've heard stories where a romantic partner is relieved or... Or, or actively happy that not everything is going to be expected of the romantic relationship, that they can each have their own lives and communities, and that there's a sort of multiplier effect of having multiple close people in your life. Like, um, you know, one person who I interviewed named Art went through a professional crisis, and not only did his best friend take care of him through that, his best friend's girlfriend was also sending him, you know, DoorDash gift cards and checking in on him. Um, So people certainly do have both romantic relationships and friendships like these and, and often find that they enrich each other.
1: Angelica in Brooklyn. You're on WNYC with Raina Cohen, author of The Other Significant Others, Reimagining Life with Friendship at the Center. Hi, Angelica.
3: Hi, Brian. Hi, Raina. Um, So I was telling your screener that I uh, am a woman of a certain age. I'm 50 and I grew up in the um, 70s and 80s in New Jersey in uh, what was we didn't we didn't call it an intentional or rather our our families didn't call it an intentional community. But it was very much um, uh, just that and grew up with a lot of um, what I called sister and brother friends um, and lots of other mothers um, and other um, caring adults um, in my life that I would absolutely consider other significant others. Um, there, I'm friends with them to this day. We've made many uh, critical life decisions together. I was a single mother um, and absolutely co-parented um, with several of my women friends. Who you know from that time in my life, and um, so this is just always the way that that I've lived. Right? It's it's almost like all I've known. Um, mm-hmm. And when I meet people. And they, you know, they they sort of remark like that's a long time to know people, and it's a very particular kind of um, extended family. Um, and I agree with the multiplier effect. Um, when I've been in romantic um, relationships and and my friends who are married and partnered and couple, of these folks I grew up with, um, it just it adds more to it. Um, and I very much feel like they are um, family, um, you know, um, chosen or, or otherwise, in, in, uh, and and serve a lot of those roles that you know, a so-called significant other would would um would play. Um, and it's wonderful.
1: What a great story, Angelica. Thank you very much. Raina, she's kind of your poster person, huh?
2: Yeah, I mean, in, I think actually what, what she illustrates is that there are sort of different ways to have these setups where not everything is on one person. So, you know, I'm primarily in the book looking at people who have a, you know, maybe one person who is a friend who is, kind of the anchor of their life, but you can also have a lot of different people. You can have, you know, as a parent, you can have a bunch of co-parents around. Um, you can you, you know, you can sort of spread spread things um more broadly. And for me, it was useful to look at people who had this really extreme kind of friendship um, because it it really opens up the possibilities of like, well, if you can have a friend be that important in your life, then maybe you can you can sort of scramble how we arrange our lives in all other ways, uh, in other ways, and have, you know, multiple friends who you build a life around.
1: David in Brooklyn has a story. David, you're on WNYC. Hi there.
0: Hey,
2: Brian. Good to talk to you.
0: Um, So, yeah, uh, across the hall from uh, where I live, my apartment building, is um, my neighbor. She's a single mom. Um, Her son now is 14. So uh, I've lived there for nine years. So I've really kind of watched this kid grow up. Um, and, uh, me and her are really tight. Um, I see her son as kind of like a younger brother slash, I don't know, I could be like a father figure. I try and, uh, teach him in his part as much wisdom as I can upon him. Um, but he and his mom, um, we're really close. We've taken trips together. Um, and, oh, I'll also add that, yeah, I do have a girlfriend, um, and she doesn't mind it all kind of. It all kind of works together,
1: which is great. David, thank you so much for the story. Um, so, think about these two callers, Raina. I mean, the the first one, you know, talking about a multi-family co-parenting situation. Um, I'm reminded, maybe even of the kibbutz model, you know, in mm-hmm. in the Israeli sense, and with David thinking about how he becomes like an older brother, I think he characterized it um, as if to this to this single mom. And I, I wonder if, to some degree, both of those models are replacing what used to be more common, which is extended families uh, living together, multi-generational households, a lot of cousins and their families living in the same neighborhood, that kind of thing. And that just doesn't exist anymore with, you know, what's been for generations now, a sort of nuclear family oriented world. And so people put community back together in a different way. And this is one way.
2: Absolutely. Uh, And I think there is kind of growing recognition that, that the nuclear family, which is held up as an ideal, you know, a two parent family is actually not even enough that we need more people around and i you know i see a version of this in my own life like i uh, live with my husband and two of our friends and their two kids and merely being a, a present adult around the kids can be so helpful to to my friends who are parents, and then, you know, to the, the kind of more traditional model that you're talking about, like my brother and sister-in-law live in a house with um, my my father, my sister-in-law's parents, and their their young child. And, you know, they were talking about how this uh, baby was running four adults ragged. Like, you, we you really could use more forms of support in our lives. And there, you know, there is this, the option of an extended family, but some people, it just, you know, it doesn't work out for some reason, or maybe the people that they are closer to instead of being their, you know, families of origin or their biological families. And it really, by opening up the the options to kind of look around and see who you could lean on more, it gives people more opportunities to get that kind of connection and support than, you know, what a nuclear family um, offers or the, the kind of... Um, You know, package deal of the extended family where you don't necessarily have a choice in terms of who's entering the picture.
1: Jovan in Brooklyn, you're on WNYC. Hi, Jovan. Hi, good morning. Got a story for us?
0: Yes. uh, A few years ago, I had a uh, situation happen with a very close friend of mine, and now that's my, I would say, my significant other. Uh, There's no romance but uh, I am disabled, and I just had really good credit, and I intentionally put my best friend on my credit report uh, so that I could boost his credit um, because he's studying to be uh, a doctor, and he should be graduating next May, and then he was drowning in student loan debt, and I made a conscious decision to be there for him because um, that's a person that I'm able to depend on. They've been able to... They've revolved a lot Mm -hmm. of their time and their schedule around me, and uh, I've never been in a romantic relationship, but um, family relationships and the dynamics between my siblings have changed because once I divulged uh, that information, uh, it comes with heteronormative comments of, you know, are you married? Are you getting married? And I'm like, no, this is a person I trust more than my actual blood family and I can depend on. And that was something I was able to be willing to bring to the table. And um, I made a conscious decision of the pros and cons on my part and on his part. And, you know, that's something that we do for each other.
1: That's a beautiful story, Jovan. Thank you very much. And it leads me, Raina, to something else in, in your book, a question that you raise that's very pertinent to Jovan's story, I think, which is that In the U.S., friendship is outside of the realm of legal protections, like marriage would have, you know, certain kind of protections built in, whether it's access to the person when they're in the hospital or um, financial ones, like Jovan, uh, you know, linked his uh, friend's credit report to his credit report. So is that something that you advocate for, that there be a a legal status for committed friend relationships, like there is for spouses.
2: So, I, I think that marriage, being really the only option on the table in most states, is leaving out a ton of people. And while I don't necessarily think that we need to have, a, you know, a carved-out legal status for friends, I do think having other forms of legal partnership that are open to people, regardless of whether they have a kind of romantic or sexual relationship, is something that could help a lot of people, including, you know, people like Jovan, Um, but also like siblings, for instance, who uh, care for each other. I mean, there, there have been, you know, different news stories that have come out where where siblings who have lived together their entire lives end up having to pay you know, tens of thousands of dollars in estate taxes because they're not, you know, they, they don't have the benefits that that uh, that married partners would um, when passing down something like a home. So there there are all sorts of close relationships that just don't fit this marriage model uh, that are left out in the cold. Where when you know, as you say, people can't get into the hospital. Like t- I've you know talked to people with stories like those. Um, they can try to get things like medical and legal power of attorney rights. But, you know, I've also heard stories where those are not necessarily recognized immediately because these people are seen as just friends. So um, I I would, uh, you know, kind of get behind what different legal scholars have been saying and to have legal alternatives to marriage, like uh, domestic partnerships, or uh, there's a a kind of model in Colorado called the Designated Beneficiary Agreement. And basically, it's just a sort of simple form that people fill out to exchange pretty um, important financial and, and medical rights.
1: So last question, do friends like these do anything for each other for Valentine's Day?
2: You know, some of them do. Uh, there are these two, uh, you know, men that I that I spoke to, Art and Nick, and they refer to each other as brothers, and they celebrate their brotherversary, um, uh at you know, <laughs> to the, the sort of anniversary of their friendship, and they will also celebrate Valentine's Day. And in th- I mean, their case was kind of interesting because one of them is a straight man and really had to like get over some of his concerns that people would you know, misread the situation. And, you know, why should he care if people did misread the situation anyway? So they have celebrated Valentine's Day. I remember they had, they think, cooked a nice meal and went out to a movie. Um, and yeah, you know, talk to other people who have celebrated um, their friendship that way. And and today is also Galentine's Day slash Palentine's Day. So there is now, thanks to Parks and Recreation, the TV show, yes. a day that is specifically carved out for friends, as I think we, we should have.
1: Oh, I didn't realize it had a particular day. It's the day before Valentine's Day. It's today, Valentine's yeah, Day.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It How is about that? It, it, officially February well, 13th.
1: That will almost do it with Raina Cohen, producer and editor of NPR's Embedded, and the author now of The Other Significant Others Reimagining Life with Friendship at the Center. But I said almost because I see you brought a little bit of music to go out on. So do you want to set this up?
2: Yes. Uh, So uh, I was talking to a couple of friends of mine who have written a bunch of songs for people's weddings, like personalized songs. And uh, they were up for the challenge of writing a song about friendship, because we don't really have a lot of songs about platonic love, um, mostly sort of falling in romantic love and heartache. And uh, they wrote a song based on the book. And there are details that you will appreciate if you've read the book, but even, I think, apart from that, it really re- like feels to me like an anthem for friendship. Um, and the the band who made this, uh, they're called Rings of Maple, and this song is called Dear Friend.
1: So, Raina, thank you very much, and let's go out with a little bit of that song.
2: You're my person, you're my rock
0: The one I call when life gets hard A part of my soul, a piece of my heart Dear friend